Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Punk Rock Horror Podcast. I am the undead Mateo, and this is the lovely Krampus Cody. Welcome, Cody. Hello. And we are here to remind you that if this summer you are traveling about and you're you're on a plane and you're going long distances and there tends to be stormy weather and and you swear that there's a creature outside the window on the the airplane itself and it's causing havoc ripping apart the gen to remind you that you're probably john lithgow and you're in the twilight zone movie and it's it's not going to end well for you but we're at least going to recommend that you stay calm as best you can during your flight today we are back with a brand new episode and we're brought to you by SlashingCast.net as well. So make sure you check us out on there and go follow Slashing Cat themselves. They are an amazing independent podcast group. They've been really cool to us. There's been We've made a lot of good tight friends over there. So please, please, please give them that love and support. Ghouls, gals, creeps, freaks, mutants alike. Um, but yeah, we are back with a new episode today with new guests as well. It's an exciting day. I have no idea what the main topic is as usual. So that's going to be fun to hear about. All I know is that it's an Amish <laughs> person. And it's a serial killer, and those are two checkboxes that I didn't know I needed to be checked off for to get invested in for a true crime. So, we're <laughs> going to find out what that is a little bit later on in the show. But, before we get to that point, please, ghouls, gals, creeps, freaks, mutants, and like, open up your cold, dead hearts to our guests. These are ret- some returning friends, some first-timers for us, and we're happy to have them back on here. Please welcome the amazing Drew Dan and Paulo of the Halloween Man and Latex Man comic book series. Welcome, gents. How Howdy. y'all doing? Hey. Howdy. Well, well <laughs> welcome back onto the show, Drew and Dan. I know you're returning. Paulo, this is your first time, correct? Yeah, it's my first time. Be easy on me. We'll be gentle. We'll be gentle. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be gentle to him. He's an artist. Like you, you gotta <laughs> you gotta, you know, whip him in this shape. <laughs> do, you, do you get more uh, feel free not to not answer if you don't want to Paulo but do you get more motivated to to finish your work if you get paid before it or if you get paid in the middle of doing the work I get, I, I get, I get more motivated when uh, when the whipping starts I don't know so like, thank, you, thank you sir may I have another <laughs> I guess hear Drew in the background being like, good, good, he's learned. <laughs> Excellent. Um, but yeah, uh, listeners and longtime listeners, you might remember Drew and Dan. They've been on the show before. Uh, they're known for the Halloween Man series, at least Drew is really known for the Halloween Man series. We've had him on here promote the Indiegogo a lot. So again, they're coming out with another Indiegogo featuring a crossover with Halloween Man himself. Uh, if you've been a fan of the comics, thank you so much for supporting them, listeners. Again, you're amazing. The amount of support that comes from the show from you people does so much for our content creators. So thank you so much. That's why they're back here, though. They want to talk about their latest creation, what's going on. So you have a new Indiegogo coming up. It's called Halloween Man Meets Latex Avenger, the crossover special. And you have the Indiegogo currently up going on it. You're almost to that goal, right? You're about, yes. you're 708. You've already been raised. Uh, yeah. It's awesome to see. So you're really close to hitting that. So let's just jump straight into it. What what brought up this crossover? What was the motivation behind it? Mostly to torment Dan. Uh, <laughs> so um, way back, even before the, the the pandemic, so it feels like even a million years ago, um, back when I worked for, for Boar's Head, the deli meat and cheese company, um, I ran into Dan while working at my day job. Uh, which I am thankfully 
don't work for anymore. I'm now doing the comic full time, but that's a whole other thing. Um, <laughs> I saw Dan and I ran over to him and, you know, I was like, hey, Dan, you know what we should do? We should do a crossover between uh, the Latex Avenger and Halloween Man. And Dan was like, what are you crazy? They will they will lynch you in the streets if you if you do something like that. And I said, "Yes, I am crazy." And he said, "Well, if 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 you want to go down that path, send me a script." And uh I sent him a script and he was like, "Well, the Halloween man stuff is pretty good, uh but the Latex Avenger stuff is all crap. I'm gonna rewrite it, and he did. That's <laughs> <laughs> how abrasive I talk to him. I just want to point this out. You know, he so. tased <laughs> me at that. He tased me at that point, and he said, "Back away from the laptop typewriter, monkey." And I said, "Yes, yes, yes, master." And uh, he Christ. rewrote all the dialogue, <laughs> and then we we locked the script away for several years because um this is i'm gonna switch over to a more serious tone here now um you know the dan uh the pandemic happened and actually originally dan was going to draw this and uh he he got busy doing bigfoot nose karate and the pandemic happened um but i did I kept going back to the script because I just loved it. I thought it was so funny, and I loved the the um, the fact that it's basically the latex Avenger characters just invading a, an issue of Halloween Man, and um, I kept coming back to it. So finally, I called Dan up and I was like, "We should finish this." And he was like, "Well, I I don't have time to draw it, but you know what? We could bring in Paulo, and and that's really how we landed here. In all seriousness." There's you beatings, know. you know, I mean, apparently I grabbed them by the head and smashed their head into the drawing. Does she draw this now? And, you know, and just like, <laughs> right. Elbow I mean, apparently is, this is how it all, this is how it all panned out. It's funny because we've all been friends for about 10 years and I, only now did I realize it's been violent. So, um, <laughs> I didn't know I beat you so often. <laughs> when I wake up in the morning, my knuckles are all bloody. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, you know, um, we, we run an underground fight club when this is all going on, you know? Oh, well, now you're just breaking rules. Well, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah the first rule of fight club is, you know, be yourself and have a good time, you know? So, it, it's be all right. Do, be all right. Do we have to wear shirts if you want to? Yeah. You know. It's time. kind of weird if you if you do, though, just letting you know, you know, a little period. <laughs> so, basically, you guys came together, like, in 90s, you know, Attitude Era backstage match of... You know, chairs being thrown, people being thrown in the lockers going, do you want to make this comic book with me? And then, you know, you, you coming up, Dan, with, with like, you know, Drew said the people's elbow and being like, hell yeah, I do, and just causing more oh. damage. Oh, yeah, it's a 24-7 title, too. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> we're, 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 we're backstage, restaurants, whatever, you know, I mean, just, it's, it's amazing. So, I, so that, I coincidentally just walked in and said, oh, do you guys know where the bathroom is? And then they just started headbutting me, and yeah. I was just thrown in there. <laughs> just kicking people while they're down. It's cool. Yeah. Cool. You're part of the Indiegogo now. <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of the Indiegogo, what, I, I think what any listener who has listened to the past interviews where we've had you on, Drew and Ender Dan, is obviously the passion you have for these indie comics and for making these comics. I mean, um, 
seeing how you come up with these ideas and where they come from, like it's easy to look at that final product, right, and be like, wow, this makes sense. Why did nobody ever do this before? But really, there is kind of that creative influence that has to happen, that creative inspiration. And you see that also kind of translate to your Indiegogo. I mean, every Indiegogo that you guys have done that I've seen and have just explored, you have so many rewards for them. You have so many tiers. And I love seeing that because you really offer a good amount of variety. I mean, even right now, I'm just looking through. And, you know, if it, if it was in my wheelhouse currently, I would definitely be going for this $300 one where it's a class yeah. where you get to have a comic class with, with Drew. From from what I'm guessing, at least from the handsome picture that's on there. And yeah, that, that's that, what I love that's about me, baby face Edwards. <laughs> like, but that's even, like, me, the... but it won't be with me. I just had to put my face there. <laughs> <laughs> and even on like the lower end of it all, like if people can only just, you know, maybe do like ten bucks, you have like the digital comics grab bag. So and that's because of the current, you know, state of digital media we live in. I know as comic collectors we'd like to have our hard copies, you know, we we'd like to have our file cabinets filled, right? But it's yeah. good to actually know, be able to read the now. comics. So, like, that's nice to see. Yeah, right. Oh, it's a real struggle. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I had one giant I, bookshelf filled with comics, and now I have an entire bookshelf in my closet that's starting to get full of manga. So it's like, I got it all. <laughs> now I have one that's, like, dedicated to all my indie comics and not, and also one that isn't indie. And I just I, I feel so so complete in a nerdy way. But going back to it, you know, these tiers, let's just jump into it. Where where do you guys get the ideas for these tiers? Or I would even ask, what is your favorite amongst the tiers that you think people should check out more? I, the main thing with me, and I think it translated into this, is because I've been doing Halloween Man for for 22 years, um, I'm always constantly aware that there are people that are still just finding out about it because it is an indie book. But I also have this vast back catalog, so I I offer older comics, you know, as as something that you can get in addition to the new comic that we're producing. Um, and you know, we're doing the same thing with some of Dan's dance comics on this one we're offering uh some latex avenger comics and we're also offering some bigfoot nose karate comics so you mm-hmm. know you can you can explore these characters uh amply and 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 to that point i think my favorite tier on here is definitely the the halloween man starter kit where you can get uh halloween man super deformed and halloween man Reagan gothic and just kind of acclimate yourself to the world of Halloween man before reading the new comic. That's awesome. I was just saying, I'm looking through you guys' stuff now too. And like, honestly, I love your variety and like, is it? Yeah, no, that's great. Sorry. I was just, it was also commenting on that. Cause like, I it's just, you guys have like a really good variety on your Indiegogo with all your perks and stuff like that. And they're good prices. And I love how like you represent a little bit of everybody in each one. It's like, cool it, because we did, um, you know, when we, you know, when we originally were talking about doing this crossover, it actually kind of morphed when we kind of got put on the back burner and it morphed into a book called the Halloween Man Bat City Special, which like that Paulo worked on, I worked on, obviously Drew worked on it, and then other Austin comic creators uh, all came together to make like an anthology book of Halloween Man. And so that book gets represented in there as well. You can get the regular, you know, the, the copy of the uh, crossover and you get a copy of that as well, you know. And if they do pick that up, you know, we're all happy to sign that. So, uh, and, you know, and do that kind of thing as well. Um, 
we got some really cool stuff. Like Paulo's done some amazing mini prints. Uh, that yeah. He's working out. Oh, they're incredible looking. I mean, and I'm a big fan of like extras. Um, you know, like when you got DVDs back in the day, you'd have like the director's commentary and stuff like that. I love mm. that stuff. And um, so we're actually going to do a director's commentary in the deluxe edition of the comic. So you hit a QR code in the back, and it's going to take you to a private YouTube video where we go in deep about the book and, you know, the history of, you know, Halloween Man, you know, the zombie superhero and his mad scientist girlfriend and latex avenger and his spermicidophone lad repelling crime 99.9% of the time, you know, and, uh, you know, go into the history of the characters and then, you know, go into the book itself and how the process happened. And remember, we got 10 years of history between Drew, Paulo, and myself, you know, being friends. So I have a really good feeling that when we do, when we actually record the commentary, it's going to be funny as hell because we yeah. have some stories between the three of us that we can tell that um, it's going to be a lot of fun. So, you know, the mini prints are incredible. We've got, uh, you know, draw this in your style contest that the winner of that's going to get the variant, get a variant cover. Um, you know, we have Paulo's amazing regular edition cover. I did the uh, deluxe edition variant cover, and um, which is like a homage to the uh, the Green Arrow, Green Lantern uh, comic where Speedy's shooting up heroin. Uh, and <laughs> so, um, you know, I mean, so so we're, we're, we're having fun. We all- we also have uh, Jer- another friend of ours who also worked yep. on Bat City Special. Uh, Jer- Jeremy, the artist, did uh, his his cover, which is is really cool. That was um, very horrific. It's nice. Yeah, it, it's 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 almost like the the Dark Knight Returns uh, version of the. It, it looks far more serious than the the comic actually is. <laughs> Pretty awesome though. So it's, it is awesome. oh, it's incredible looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, w- I want to ask about that. Well, can you touch on a little bit more of the tier of draw it in your own style? Uh, what, what exactly is it comprises of that if people donate to that one? Do they get to make their own iteration of Halloween Man and that's the cover they get? Or uh, I mean, obviously, I don't want to pick it apart, but what, what is all enlisted with that? Or entailed, excuse me. Oh, so you want to take this through? No, it's all you. Okay. No, so what we're doing to draw this in your style contest. So the winner of the, so they get to draw a piece of fan art uh, featuring, you know, Halloween Man and Latex Avenger characters. And then those are going to be judged on, uh, actually, you know, the, the, the deadline for it is actually tomorrow, which will be after this podcast posts. But, um, you know, but we're getting, we're getting fan art from, all sorts of folks from Twitter and Instagram and, you know, from around the world, Australia to, you know, upstate New York, you know, I mean, all over the place. And we've gotten some beautiful, beautiful work. And so they're going to vote on that on Instagram. And the winner of that's going to get a variant cover uh, for the, get the fourth cover for the book. So, um, and then the, then a few more of them are going to go in the inside for, uh, for pinups inside the comics. So, uh, it it should be real, a lot of fun. We've got some beautiful work and I can't wait to, uh, to really be able to show it all off on Instagram and get some people voting on it. I mean, what is that like though? I mean, yeah, obviously it's, it's a tier award, but Still, though, seeing all those submissions come in, what, is, what does that feel like? I, I guess it'd be kind of like, you know, awesome. motivating in a real way, right? It's but, humbling as hell is what yeah, I think it um, is. You I, know, we, you, you always love seeing people do their interpretation 
of your characters. Like, that literally never gets old. Never. Never. That's um, awesome to hear. Like, just, okay, just because, like, honestly, I've seen a just from like some things that I've seen, a bunch of creators like and fans of like things like getting mad when people like make their own things of like these of these characters and whatnot, like you know fan fan made things and seeing creators get mad about it or something like that's like oh, but they're like I feel like they're adding to your dude and like to hear you guys come on like come out and say no, it's it's humbling, it's awesome, it's fantastic, like. Great. <laughs> well, it, it, it is amazing when somebody like, makes. Yeah, it's amazing when they do it. You know, um, now if I was at a convention and they were selling Bigfoot nose karate artwork, I'd be like, "Yeah, where's my cut, son?" But oh you yeah, know, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, but for somebody to, like, and I, I think Drew feels the same way. Like, if somebody draws a latex Avenger, Bigfoot nose karate, spermicide foam lab, whatever character uh, that they draw mine, I, I don't care how they draw it. If they, you know, give them pants, give them, you know, give them an iPad, you know, whatever. Do you know interpret the character the way you want because every artist brings something different to the table, and it's mm-hmm. so cool to see somebody else's vision of your character so it, it, it is humbling it really is now i don't mean to to just put you on the spot paulo but uh you know we we do obviously have uh a lot of friends who are artists as well and an even bit of a different medium tattoo artists as well and there is kind of like this this code you go by of not doing someone else's work or working on someone else's work but there is still that mutual respect of seeing somebody take and use, uh, put their own iteration with their own skill on it. What has this been like for you seeing all these illustrations come in? Uh, I don't feel threatened at all. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, but really, there's like some really good ones. And I'm like, oh, my God, I was, I was, I was sweating a little bit because I was like, Man, I maybe I should have upped my game a little bit more because some of these artists are like amazing, and so I guess that's why uh, I, I felt a little pressure to start doing these mini prints because I was like, oh man, I got to show my worth now to the guys, you know. So <laughs> no, but uh, I do really have fun doing the mini prints and stuff. Uh, it kind of gives me something to do to to boost, uh, uh, I guess, uh, views on on the uh, site. But yeah, it was it was uh, it's pretty awesome seeing other people and how they draw it. Um, I know what my process went into uh, drawing these characters because I know I, I, like it's, like it's, they've told you I I've met them uh, I've known them for about ten years so I know uh, I know their characters and I know the passion they bring with their characters and how they write them and in Dan's case how they he draws them uh, that uh, they have. I knew that going in, so when I drew the characters, I knew that I had to put in all the little nuances because I'm, I'm not like uh, it's one thing making fan art and another thing working on the actual book. So I really had to put forth a lot of thought and process into how I made those characters and how I can make them connect to the actual. You know, like I want to make sure that Halloween Man comes back. You know, comes across as Halloween Man to Drew, you know, and, and I wanted to make sure Latex Avenger came, came across as Latex Avenger for Dan. So uh, I, I I don't want to say that I put more thought into it than art, fan art, but it's like I wanted to make it genuine, I guess. I don't know. But, yeah, I did. I had fun. 
I think I think that's something that a lot of people aren't aware of when, you know, if you have a friend who's an artist or a spouse or you just know somebody who's an illustrator or an artist in some way and you get brought on for a project, right? Of course, you want to bring your own creative flair into it, but you also have to stay consistent with what is the foundation of that character, what, you know, fundamentally what makes that character pop and rings with the fans. And, you know, talk, again, going back to we do talk to a lot of artists, that can be a struggle, that can be stressful, right? Because you do want to do good by it, you want to step up and, you know, bring that A game and you want to bring in your flair, but you don't want to bring so much into it that you inadvertently like portray the fundamentals of the character. Would you say that's kind of what you had to work with with, uh, with this iteration? Yeah, definitely. I, you know, I, I there was a, I, I, drew, I drew like a first draft of the characters. And uh, uh, what I liked about that first draft of the characters is that I got a lot of feedback on the different characters. And uh, Dan and Drew, they, they talk a lot of big game, but they're real softies. They barely yeah. told me anything uh, about how I drew things. And, uh, uh, from the little bits of, of oh, that's funny that uh, you made uh, Ruben older and more muscular. And so I, I started getting little hints like, oh, that's right. He's supposed to be like a 12-year-old boy. You know? When, <laughs> His, <laughs> he was like the night, he's the Nightwing version of Ruben. Yeah, right? Night from. <laughs> yeah, yeah but I was like, no, oh, I got I to gotta, I gotta fix that a little bit. I got to. So uh, from from little things that they had told me, I, I try I tend to modify little, it a little bit more. It's to, funny to he keeps it. saying little things because I think I think the <laughs> only the only thing that I the only real note that I I real notes that I gave him was that uh, Lucy is taller than Halloween Man and also make Lucy's boobs bigger i think that was that was <laughs> yeah. that was it i'm a real did i mention i'm really mature that i'm a mature individual and i am yeah. also i'm also an award-winning writer i'm i so i'm very deep and not shallow at all hey you know what we I it, knew you, it. we we figured that out with the last hall uh with one of my favorite halloween mans when he had a crossover or not a crossover but he went back in time to fight dinosaurs so yes. yeah yes. absolutely that was <laughs> That Halloween was super Man deep. versus the Loch Ness monster, <laughs> yeah. with a with a sexy Dan Price cover. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Loch Ness I, I monster issue. Cover. Yeah, I did that one. Yeah, I did that cover. That was fun. Yep, I like that. It's it's super majestic with his little cowboy hat riding Nessie. <laughs> <laughs> kind of shades of Doctor Strange love, really. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yahoo! <laughs> Next monster, here we go! <laughs> Get your uh, uh, I'm locked in to the Ness of it all. <laughs> kind of worse. It's like bronze to your dad humor. We'll make that a bronze one. Um, <laughs> so, for the Indiegogo, how many more days do y'all have for people to come and support this and get its funding? So as of this recording, we have 34 days, um, and we're doing good. We're at 70% of our goal. However, if we make over that, that's that's also great. You know, that's just going to end up going back into supporting the creative team and everything. Um, so, you know... If you if you happen upon this and it's already fully funded, uh, but you still want the books, please by all means still back because 
like the this is this is we are independent comics and literally every fan counts like it you know every time we we do one of these crowd funds it's it's it makes me acutely aware at the at the difference that just one fan can make like every dollar which is why we even offer a, t- a tier, which we call the tip jar, which you literally just can give a dollar. And like someone might scoff at that, but like if that's all you can give, that still helps. So, you know, please. You know, Definitely. And, I was going to say, even if you uh, uh, already uh, helped us out, uh, you should check in again because I'm going to be working on some extra homage pieces. Uh, yeah. Uh, mini prints to to add to it. Nice. Yeah. So that's, that's awesome. And, and, and I'm looking. You know, at, I'm looking at. Oh, it sorry, I'm buddy, like, go ahead. I, again, I'm looking at it and I already know which one I'm gonna be signing up on this Monster Mash combo. Yeah. That's it's a forty dollar tier for all those who want to hear, and you get uh, Halloween Man versus the Mummy, the Invisible Man, the Loch Ness Monster, and Hack and Slash versus Halloween Man, plus a mini print and mystery swag. I'm like, yeah, just yeah. all the cryptids there. I'm just like, yeah, that's what I want in my life. I just need to see him fighting monsters. <laughs> Boom. It's cool. Done. <laughs> so, and, you know, that's, and I'm glad you guys are also talking about this too, because we, we're going to take a quick break, but, you know, there is that disconnect between the fan base and the content creator. Every, every now and then you don't always see that work that comes into it or what motivates people in, you know, and it, the reason I mention that is because, like, recently on our Twitter, we had there's a question up of, you know, what can if people are fans of your show, and th- this was like regarding like podcasts in this case, obviously. But the question is, you know, how can those who are uh, sensitive to to sensory triggers support you if they're not able to listen to your show? And that happens a lot of times. We we do forget there is a silent majority out there of fans who aren't able to listen to a show too long, or maybe there's too many bright colors, and they it's hard for them to stare very long at a certain page. And it's always nice to know that there's other avenues they can go to support you, even if it's not being able to fully dive into the work you do. And it's it's just it's amazing seeing that. And that's just what made me think of when you when you uh, mentioned even just that one dollar tip jar. You know, motivation, that inspiration to keep pushing forward can come from so many places really even the smallest of things can mean the biggest of uh meanings for for somebody so ghouls gals creeps freaks and mutants alike make sure you're going down into the links below make sure you go support the indiegogo sign up for it are you gonna are you gonna really let krampus cody over here i'll bid you on that 40 dollar one you're really gonna let him show you up there i'm just i'm just hey look like do what you do you I'm just saying, you know, he's showing you up. He's de- he's dropping that forty, but <laughs> legitimately, go support the comic. Go support the Indiegogo. Let's get them that love because I know you amazing ghouls, gals, creeps, and again, freaks and mutants alike are amazing at that. We're gonna take a quick music break. We're gonna come back with more of Drew, Dan, and Paulo here in just a second. Leo, our man in a dungeon below, take it away. Who here likes ska? Today we got a band called Mad Cow Disease. I think this is their second time appearing on this podcast. They're straight from San Diego, and I recorded them once. Although their most recent album, I did not. Their most recent album is called Problemas. That means problems in English. Up first, we got the song Kings off the set album. Enjoy.
Remember, folks, that was Mad Cow Disease from San Diego. You can find them on Instagram at Mad Cow Disease 619 or on Facebook at Mad Cow Disease SD. Back to the show. Welcome again, listeners, to the Punk Art Horror Podcast. Again, we're talking to Drew, Dan, and Paulo, learning about their new latest in Ingogo, where a Halloween man meets the Latex Avenger. And again, if you've been listening to this episode, you're already aware of that. But if for some reason you're happening to tune in now, welcome. We're glad you're here. So it's <laughs> a really weird spot. To just, you know what? I'm going to jump ahead. You, you know, like, it, could, it could be a friend <laughs> jumping in, just be like, oh my God, I missed already like 28 minutes of it. <laughs> You know, fair enough. What you listening to? Hello. Oh, well, hello to you too. Hey, how, Welcome, how's, everyone. How's it going, friend? That's tuning in to their friend, listening to this ongoing episode. How are you doing? That, that's not, it's a nice haircut. Is that a new haircut? That that looks nice on you. Oh, it's, gonna, it's gonna be somebody who's bald, and they're gonna be like, "That's just pandering." Yeah, you're <laughs> you got the issue. Also, somebody like walking in. And they so. You heard the rest of the podcast already, and you're like, they're like, hey, what I miss? You know, that's always a bad situation, too. <laughs> you yeah. missed a really awkward situation, my friend, not going to lie. <laughs> so, so, Drew, Dan, and Paulo, you got a few other things coming up that are a bit exciting. Uh, one of the first things that we'll touch on, because I know we kind of already did, you know, kind of touched on a little bit, is, is Dan is uh, your creation known as Bigfoot Nose Karate. So... What's going on with Bigfoot? Why does he know karate this time, and why does he need to know it? Because I know the last time we were talking about off recording, he we went up with Kung Fulu. I, I think I'm saying it right. I might be saying it Kung, Yeah, Kung Fu Fulu. Kung Fu yeah. Fulu. Kung Fu Fulu. Yeah, Kung Fu Fulu. Yeah, no. So uh, Bigfoot knows karate is the story of a gentle cryptid warrior who lives in a world where anyone can be the hunter and anyone can be the prey at any given time. Uh, he goes up against uh, Kung Fu Thulu in the cryptid battle showdown of the century. And, I mean, we like to think of it as Godzilla versus Kong meets Kill Bill with a twist. Uh, <laughs> I did uh, myself and Casey Allen, my uh, co-writer and editor on the book, uh, we put this out in um, October of last year for the first issue. Uh, it was a great campaign. Uh, people really dug it. The reviews were awesome. And we're working hard on issue two right now. In fact, uh, Adam Caswell, who did the one of the variant covers for us, has actually helped me out with some layouts this issue, helping speed the process along, which I'm really grateful for. But it's me, Adam Casey, doing our thing and – Got the next Kickstarter coming up in October of this year uh, for Bigfoot Nose Karate Chapter 2, Born Under a Bad Sign. And if you want to read Bigfoot Nose Karate Number 1, you can pick up physical copies at MephistoComics.com or you can go to... Um, or you can go to globalcomics.com and you can read the first issue for free. 
I'm right there on or the you can platform. you can get it on our oh show. yes or yeah. thank you drew thank you drew shit i'm an idiot uh <laughs> yes uh get it on the damn tier here guys you get the latex avenger me or halloween man meets latex avenger bigfoot knows karate what more can you ask for i'm a schmuck keep going okay <laughs> <laughs> well said. Well said. Well delivered. Uh, we we got to bring you in next time. We're we're trying to do a PR for our for our show. At least trying to get a sponsor. Have you met Dan Price? He's gonna he's gonna sell you on it right now. I'm gonna <laughs> sell you right now. This is what I do. <laughs> Just basically, use car salesman hawking comic books. So anyway. So, but you guys are also gonna be at the Baltimore Comic Con that's coming up, correct? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's gonna be exciting. A- we're going to be there together. Uh, we're going to be selling, you know, Halloween Man. We're going to be selling Latex Avenger, Bigfoot Nose Karate. And if you like this energy that you're hearing on this podcast, imagine how funny we are in person. Absolutely. And we'll have, you know, I mean, if you back the book now on this campaign, we appreciate that so much. And if you didn't back the book and you happen to hear this later on, Drew and I will have copies of uh, Halloween Man Meets Latex Avenger special at Baltimore Comic Con. So we will have copies of that and, you know, come on by. It'll be great. So, and what dates are those for the Baltimore Comic Con, in case people aren't paying attention already? (laughs) October 28th through the 30th. Uh, if you just came into the podcast just now and are bugging your buddy to know what happened, October 28th through the 30th, we'll be at Baltimore <laughs> Comic Con. You heard it, so make sure you're there. Make sure you get your tickets. Make sure you go hang out with uh, Drew, Dan, and Paulo, and uh, bring your best rockabilly attire, and you, and you might get some high fives from Drew on that one. It's and true. Speaking of, Drew, you got another thing you're working on called Punk versus Rockabilly. You want to touch on that a little bit? Oh, yeah. So um, it's a show that I produce here in Austin. I This is actually the 10th one, although we took a nearly two-year break because of the pandemic. Um, when COVID, it's normally during South by Southwest. So when the 10th Punk versus Rockabilly originally was going to happen was the weekend that South by Southwest got canceled here in Austin because of COVID. So I I kind of put it aside for you know the last few years, and uh, now I'm bringing it back. It's going to be on August 6th at Flamingo Cantina here in Austin. Uh, it all doors are at seven o'clock. It's free to the public. You, you don't have to pay a cover. Just come right in. we got an amazing lineup of local bands. We have on Team Punk, we have Molly Ringworm, Bond Breaker, and The Butts. And on uh, Team Rockabilly, <laughs> we have Giddy Up and Go, uh, Texas Tea and the Shine Runners, and the fighting pride of East Riverside themselves, Danger Cakes. So it's going to be an amazing night of music. Uh, you know, I always say that it's the best little little rock and roll, roll show in Texas. And I, I aim to, uh, to live up to that on this 10th go around. So if you are a, a punk rock fan and you want to go cheer on punk rock, uh, come on out and, and do that in, in Austin, Texas on August 6th. So freaking punk rock, so freaking rockabilly, so freaking metal. I love this. I, it, it, I've always been interested to hear what you're going on with this show because I, I feel like people that 
you know, that aren't really into the punk scene or into the rockabilly scene, right, um, aren't really aware of, I, I don't want to use, like, the word stigma, right, because there is some solidarity, right, there's camaraderie, people genuinely do like rockabilly, but there's the joke of just, like, you get into rockabilly once you outgrow the aggressive punk phase, right, like, <laughs> I, I, th- I, think that's, I think that's a joke that people go by, well, once you become a dad or a parent, yeah, that's when you get into rockabilly, I'm just like, look, man, I've, I've always been into the upright bass and, you know, people jumping on their bases and just creating weird, decrepit music to to what is slow-tuned ska without a trumpet. Um, so, I mean, I, I guess, where did the motivation come for it, though, to, to make the show? Why, why did you really want to finally match these two heads up of punk versus rockabilly? Um, so, when I, I... My first few years... Of living in Austin, one of one of the ways I made a living was I was a a, a music promoter and a music booker, and um, I was heavily involved with both the punk and rockabilly scene. And you know, it was it was because of South by Southwest. What I started to notice was a lot of these local bands, which were great we're kind of getting pushed out by, by out of town bands and, you know, more power to them for coming into town and trying to make it here in South by, but I wanted to showcase, you know, my friends, you know, the, the bands that I started seeing and, and the idea of calling it punk versus rockabilly, it was, it was just good shtick. Like you could stage it like a wrestling match. It's not a real, although we do have judges, it's not a real battle of the bands. The only thing that you win is bragging rights and that's it. And I actually always jokingly say I should call it punk loves rockabilly because it just ends up being like a big love fest. Because as you said, usually people who are in the one are, are tend to be into the other. It's not really that much spite between the two sides. And I, I um, but you know, it's just a fun gimmick to to hang the the a show on, and it, it gets people to come out. And I'm glad that even two years after of taking a break, it seems like people are excited for it to come back. So I I hope that that we're just going to come across as tan, rested, and ready to to deliver a great rock show. Yeah, you are true. There, I mean, it does go hand in hand. I guess it'd be a bit different, right? If it was like death metal versus glam metal, right? I, I feel like that'd be a bit more divisive, you know. But I don't. It, I mean, maybe not. I don't know. I'm. I'm, getting, I'm I think I metal fan. I think metal fans tend to to be more serious about the subdivisions than than punk fans is something I've noticed. Like uh, conversations I've had with some friends of mine who are serious metalheads, like they can they can go off like an encyclopedia about the different types of metal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I, I am, you know, punk, punk for whatever reason doesn't ever seem to, they'll be like, oh yeah, horror punk. Oh, you know, psychobilly, uh, you know, death punk, right. you know, like, but there doesn't, there always seems to be kind of like, a, well, you know, it's all just rock and roll. The, 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 See, I feel I, like, go ahead, buddy. I was going to say, I feel like the difference that between all the fandoms, I feel like punk rockers and rockabilly fans is like dad jokes versus kid jokes. Everyone enjoys them at some point in their life. And then, and then when you get to a certain age, you love them all. And then in metal, it's more like gatekeepers versus fans. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's the more of the divide. Because like I have, ne- I have 
rarely, if ever, have I actually met a punk rock slash rockabilly gatekeeper. But ever since I've been a metalhead or a rock and roll fan, they're there. My teacher oh, yeah. was even a gatekeeper to me about ACDC. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so yeah. like... I wore a back in black shirt, and the first thing he said was like, "Name three songs off that album." Oh, <laughs> man. you know, like to yeah. a fucking fifth grader. But when I walk in wearing a Ramones, when I walked into my music teacher's class wearing a Ramones shirt, he's like, "Hell yeah!" What, do you know any songs? And I was like, "No." And he's like, "Let me show you my favorite one." Nice. What, what, I, I think it. I think it always stems from like. Oh, I'm sorry, but I didn't mean to talk over you. Go ahead. I oh, know you're good. I was just saying, like, that's that's how I feel the difference has always been. So, like, because just like when you tell, you know, like a, the dad joke and kid joke comparison, like everyone either groans or loves a dad joke, but everyone loves a good dad joke. Right. Dude, you don't, you was, don't want to admit it, but you enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. When I, was a, when I was a kid, just a funny story real quick, when I was a kid, my sisters are like seven and nine years older than me. And so I got I got uh, introduced to punk rock at like, you know, eight, nine, ten years old. And so uh, I remember, you know, getting, never mind the bollocks, here's the Sex Pistols, uh, you know, like at nine, ten. And uh, I'm, I remember getting my sister bought me a Sid Vicious T-shirt. And so I go to you know junior high. I'm like 11 years old wearing my Sid Vicious shirt to school. And this kid, he's like, you know, he's, you know, skater boy. We're all skater boys, right? You know, he's a skater kid. And he looks at me and goes, who's Sid Vicious? <laughs> <laughs> anyway i'll never forget sid vicus i don't know this sid kid's name vicus. i don't know the kid's name i couldn't tell you that kid's name but i if i saw him today i'd be like sid vicus and he'd be like <laughs> no anyway you know what? i feel like it's... at some point in his life sid vicious would have been like hell yeah i'm sid vicus yeah, that's, now that's more <laughs> that, that, that's more like, this is my uh, new name now <laughs> i'm gonna open up a local plant store and call it sid's vicus <laughs> 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 oh my god! But, but every no, really. every, pe- every potted plant comes with a little tiny uh, denim vest. Yeah, some of them have studded bracelets. What if, <laughs> if you find a special one, it'll have a patch sewn onto it. You know, <laughs> yeah, it would be uh, cool if like you, you, one of them has like a, a, a lock around its uh, around its brain, uh, his branches or its trunk. You know, like a, a Nancy Spongeon thing. Yeah, there, yeah. there'll be a section where there's just withered plants that smell bad. People are going to ask me, "What's this?" I'm like, "Oh, these are the." Crust punk pant plants. <laughs> um, but no, I, I really do think that's where that gatekeeping kind of mentality comes from, right? Because I've thought about that before. Why is it so apparent throughout the genre itself? Because it, it also happens in punk. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna not hold them under scrutiny. Yeah. I know there's still people out there in the punk scene that think that you have to dress a certain way to be punk, and that's a yeah. different conversation. More so, I think though, like that's how it happens, right? If you get into metal unless you happen to come across it your own way it's kind of a hand-me-down from someone above you whether it's a like a like a guardian parent of some sort or uh big brother big sister like even for me you know um I, the only reason I got into metal is because my sister showed me Runs to the Hills by Iron Maiden. And from there, the rest is history. You know, I fell heavily in love with Iron Maiden and all the, you know, big four thrash and just like that SoCal thrash sound. And I think when you get introduced in that way, you do get protective of it because it feels like it's your own thing and you kind of forget that there's millions of other people that are fans of it as well. Whereas when you see somebody who's like, 
not to like exclusively pick on this one artist, but like she's fans of like Britney Spears, right? Because she's played, she was played a lot on the radio. It's easy to listen to her music. It's easy to digest. So it's easy to become a fan of that in a mathematical way. Um, when you see that person pick up, you know, a Metallica album or a Slayer album or what have you, and then they get into that, you kind of feel like part of you is now being shared without your permission, but that's where that gatekeeping mentality comes in. And that's where it needs to change because I mean, it's still prevalent today, even with the latest, you know, uh, stranger things season, you know, I know that was, that's been the biggest. I was wondering if this was where that was going. It it wasn't planned. It wasn't planned, but it, but it, 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 you know, it is kind of flowing that way, but a lot of people got gatekeepy about that of people now getting into master puppets because they saw it in one episode and even Metallica had to come out and be like, Hey, if anything, they'll probably like all of our other music. Like, yeah. I think people forget that even though, yeah, it was a big band that got a push, which kind of sucks, you know, and, and that's a different conversation. Um, people forget, though, that that's, that's how taste happens. You know, that's how you do become a fan of things. Like, I was, for me, I, you know, again, I was a fan of all the decrepit stuff. Like, you know, like Dying Fetus one is another more notable one. Cannibal Corpse, Slayer, that type of stuff. But over the time being friends with people who aren't into metal as much or to the punk or rockabilly side, you know, I got into other bands and other artists like Lady Gaga, for example. That's one artist I do like and I do enjoy listening to. And uh, funny enough, even uh, uh, like Billy Joel, like I even got into him. And it's it's just really kind of interesting where that gatekeeping mentality comes from. And uh, maybe that's what, unless anybody else wants to touch in on it, we can leave it on that is stop being gatekeeping. Let people let, let people you know, enjoy things. Yeah, be more <laughs> I, like my music teacher. And, and, and instead of being like, you know, being all judgy that you don't know a song. How about you show them your favorite song from your favorite band in the genre? Like, yeah. that's how I got more into punk rock. Because after that, my music teacher showed me that. I showed my dad and he was like, oh, hey, here's some here's some more bands in the punk rock genre that I really yeah. like. I'll show you them now more. And then I loved them more. Like, that's how it starts. Like, just... Just fucking be excited that more people are liking the music you like. Like, holy shit, we don't all don't need to sit in a corner and wallow in sorrow listening to this song. Like, it's only for me. <laughs> oh my god, can, they wrote can y'all talk to my daughter because I try to show her all of my punk stuff, and she just looks at me and rolls her eyes and walks. Around. <laughs> like, my kids do the same thing, Paulo. Which, which <laughs> might make your daughter the epitome of punk rock. you know the thing about all the metallica stuff out in pop culture you know recently my 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 twin who is or was you know a big reason why i do my you know my comic who is uh, you know unfortunately hasn't been with us for for two decades now but their favorite band was metallica and so like that just when i hear that music like it just kind of you know sometimes it makes me feel sad but it you know like in the instance of the way it was used on on stranger things like i i really liked that because it it showcases the sort of power that music can have over a person's life mm-hmm. and you know how um how deeply that can be felt and you know if that translates into other people discovering you know hard rock metal you know punk whatever 
that's great. But also if it just was like a good cinematic scene, that's also good because music is magic and it can move us. And I, I just, I really appreciated that fact about the, the recent season of Stranger Things because it wasn't just the Metallica song, but they had like an overall m- music theme to the whole season. And I just dug that. Ah, spoilers. I haven't seen it yet. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, when in doubt, ghouls, gals, creeps, and mutants, don't hate, appreciate. Yes. Um, that's right. Yeah. So, uh, we're going to go ahead and take a break and then go to our main topic. But uh, we got to cut you guys loose. I know you're not going to be able to hang around for that. So, one more time, Paulo, Dan, and Drew, where can all of our amazing listeners go to support you guys uh, if we don't already have it listed down below? Well, first of all, you know, go to the Indiegogo, back us on Indiegogo, share the Indiegogo, uh, spread the word. Um, If you want to follow me on social media, I am Drew underscore Halloween on Instagram. I am Halloween Man Calm, all one word, all lowercase on Twitter. And if you want to follow Halloween Man on Facebook, you just type in HalloweenMan.com and it takes you right to the Facebook group. Beautiful. Dan, Paula, where can everybody go to support you two? Well, you, you can go to my website, www.paulojhtz.com. There I have all my stuff linked in, uh, and you can also see me on Instagram uh, as at uh, paulojhdz. Uh, and that's it. Go for it, Dan. Thank you, Paula. Um I can be found at, uh, you can go to BigfootNoseKarate.com to find all the information on Bigfoot Nose Karate. Uh, and then for uh, Twitter, Instagram, and my website, it's all Danomite139. That's D-A-N-O-M-Y-T-E-139. So my website's Danomite139.com or you know, Twitter, Instagram is you know the same. Uh, and then... Um, yeah, thank you guys for having us. Thank you for everybody who has supported the book, Halloween Man Meets Latex Avenger, uh, on Indiegogo. We really appreciate it. And, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a fun comic. Please get in on the on the good action, guys. It's going to be fun. You heard it there. Ghouls, gals, creeps, freaks, and mutants alike. Please go support the Indiegogo. Please help out Drew, Dan, and Paulo. Give that love that we all know you have deep buried down inside you. You know, you got to scroll through a few maggots and some dead flesh here and there. But we know it's still there. We can hear that heartbeat. But that's because we're also undead. And we also hear your heartbeats from all the way over here on the other side of the headphones. But thank you again, the three of you, for being on here. Thank you again for coming back to the show. I know we. Thank we look you. forward to bringing you back on again yeah, at any time. Anytime you guys want to come back on, you let us know. We'll we'll open up our dungeon doors to all three of you. Thank Sweet. you, awesome. gentlemen. It's awesome. Up next, we got six 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 one nine from the same band, Mad Cow Disease. Remember, check them out. They're pretty freaking dope. And check out the first album too while you're at it, the Quarantine EP. We started recording that one right before the pandemic hit. And we were supposed to keep on recording the rest of it. So it's almost like these songs that recorded in the second album were supposed to be in the other one. But obviously, pandemic hit. We couldn't meet up anymore. It was super lame. But here's 66619 from Mad Cow Disease. Enjoy this stale fucking rock.
Keep it going, Mad Cow Disease again. It won't be long in the quarantine EP. Keep it going, keep it going. turn of events i'm gonna play a third one tell me by mad cow also from the quarantine ep enjoy
guys all day i just wish they released a lot more music because they have a huge arsenal of songs but you know studio time's limited especially nowadays back to the show before i play another one come on get back to the show get out of here the hell out of here so yeah i uh talking and you know about dad jokes buddy i i feel like i've shared it before but uh now now i gotta really share my favorite dad joke again um why don't you feed cows marijuana <laughs> why because with Cubs Ditter Tab, the stakes are too high. <laughs> and everybody's now this... tuning out. <laughs> <laughs> when, when I hear my favorite dad joke, I put, I'm pretty certain I've said it on here too, but... More. Go ahead, go ahead. Okay. Have you ever seen an elephant hide up in a tree? <laughs> yeah, you have to use this one. No. <laughs> pretty good, aren't they? <laughs> and that's the rest of them. <laughs> yeah, we're good. That's all we're talking about. Yeah, all right. Good episode. Um, but yeah, I, I love having Drew, Dan, and uh, getting to meet Paulo here on the show. It's it's always good. I, I feel like we keep getting lucky with having so many guests that come on that we just have this natural synergy with them, whether it's uh, the returning guests, right, or if they're they're new to the show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's really comforting in that way. It's it's just it's nice to see. It's nice to see people be like, oh yeah, we've heard of you. We we like your show, and we're like, thanks. But like we're like the the old dudes in the back of the venue who are just you know letting letting people enjoy moshing and just enjoying the music while sipping on our beers. Yeah, pretty much. From back in my day, uh, we knew how to open up a pit the right way. <laughs> Shut up, old man. <laughs> get, get that gatekeeping shit out of here. <laughs> For real. Back in your day, they didn't even know what a fucking double pedal was, so shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you can now program that. Duh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't wait till I get to talk. I can't wait till I can talk to Aaron and, and tell her and be like, you know, just so you know, Netflix, you had to actually order through the mail at some point that was, that was a thing that, that was a thing it's it's not it wasn't as user friendly as it is now <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't you know directly implanted into your brain like it is now we used to have to order go on a computer yeah not your phone a computer <laughs> that had that was connected to the wall not your wi-fi thing and it would go and I had to click on the movie I wanted. <laughs> God, I, God, I hope we don't become those parents. That and then waited like... two weeks for it to come in the mail, so I forgot about it. <laughs> Redbox, um, you don't want to even know about the nightmare of Redbox. <laughs> yeah, if you didn't return it the night you got it, you were fucked. There was yeah, something was it. about it. Like, there was something about the goddamn machine. It'd make you forget. 
an hour, you know, a month later, you're you're paying a hundred dollars in a fine. Yeah, and you're like, well, I guess it's my movie now, but they still it's want the I, movie back. No, <laughs> they can't have it back. I committed to it. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even gonna watch it again either. I just I don't want to give it back now. It's it's about the principle, okay? It's about sending a message to Redbox. <laughs> <laughs> Get your shit together, okay? Either come, with, <laughs> yeah. either make a streaming service, or don't. And if you don't, be more lax on those uh, those late return fees, okay? <laughs> yeah, I know. And now that's why you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> just, just put it plainly. It's why you're dead. So everyone hates you. This is why you don't get invited to the other streaming site parties. Yeah, they're gonna like Redbox is gonna be like that one lone blockbuster. There's just gonna be red boxes in the small towns that refuse to get internet. <laughs> I mean, it's a, that is a thing. Like I know. that is. Yeah. <laughs> and it's nothing against the small towns, but I just I, I'm more so the fan of the mentality behind it. Like internet, no fuck that. I got a red box I can go to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, to me, I was gonna say, like in Wellington, fuck or not Wellington. That's hey, that's a, that's a whole other issue. But anyways, <laughs> Walsenburg, where my dad is, fucking it took until my aunt moved in with them to finally get internet there, and he was down there since fucking 2009 <laughs> like, it's a thing man like he's like every time i went down there i was he was like you want to go watch a movie and i was like sure we have to go to the fucking bus stop that had a fucking video store built into it oh it was great though <laughs> it was just really funny because i'd be like all right everybody i'm going offline for a couple weeks like for a week and then like no literally there is no internet where i'm going i don't care what year it is <laughs> you don't understand yeah and then the red box opened up and you know what killed the video store that was it once that red box got there <laughs> what killed the video store red box in netflix yeah. they just they just took turns <laughs> pretty much oh it's like a funny uh we're totally oh, i'm totally gonna be that dad i <laughs> 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 say just no back in my day we literally had to wait for movies on the mail Back in my day, you used to have to walk ten miles just to get to a DVD dispenser, also known as Redbox. And you would get your movies from there, and then you would have to walk ten miles back, watch it, and then be willing to walk another ten miles to return it before the the Redbox police would come and break in your house and shoot your family for not returning it in time. And then that's that's when the grandkids come and be like, Grandpa, you're making stuff up. And they're like, I can make up this spot against your head if I wanted to, but how about we don't go that route and you just believe what I say? Yeah. I mean, to be fair, that's literally just bleeding like 2020 into like not 2009, so. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my god. Oh, Grandpa, we get it. You used to have to go return DVDs. <laughs> yeah. Back in my day. <laughs> and speaking uh, of back in my day, we're going to talk about a serial killer who fucking never left the day. That's a good name of a band, Leave the Day. Leave the Day. I'm pretty certain that's a band. If that's not that a band, be... that's definitely a song. If, if that is a band name and you just got that name idea from us, uh, copyright, you owe us. <laughs> Where's my royalties? I Call won't turn out. into Lars. <laughs> <laughs> 
We're, we're looking at you. You think we don't notice? We're just we're letting you show your real integrity here. <laughs> your real integrity. Because <laughs> we got we got integrity. You got integrity. We okay. can say it. We're from Colorado. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're we're from where that show originated from. <laughs> Gatekeeping. <laughs> yeah, I know. They literally own Casa Bonita. It's a thing, and they own it. Yeah. <laughs> so only we I went can there like as a it. child. No. <laughs> I was there before it was cool. <laughs> you were cool before you even went there. You, you understand? <laughs> it's like I remember going when the food was at least edible. <laughs> I remember going when it was food. Yeah, like you could eat something that wasn't just a sopapilla. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Alrighty, well, what, are we, what are we talking about, buddy? Alright, sir, so this is a, it's, a, it's a pretty crazy story. So, some of it is fairly well known, but the other part is a little crazy. And so, it's really funny that we talked, that uh, Drew was on and everything, because this serial killer is from Austin, Texas. Or at some Boy. point, or no, sorry, he's, he ends up, he ends up in Austin, Texas. He does a spell in Durango, Colorado. <laughs> and I'm just like, wow, both our states just melded together. And I picked this guy out at random. And it was only because I looked up Amish serial killers because I wanted to know if there was an Amish one. Turns out there is. <laughs> so we're really going to find out if it's a hit or Amish. <coughs> Sorry, <laughs> that was terrible timing. I'm getting okay. So viewers, uh, I'm getting over having COVID, and so like, I still got a little bit of a cough from it and everything. I didn't get it near as bad. I just think it was bullshit. That of course I get it fucking now after all everything, <laughs> and like so yeah. If I sound a little off, that's why. Um, anyways. So start. Let, let's start. Let's let's. We're gonna change it up a little bit. So we're gonna be talking about Mr. Eli Stutzman, okay? And so 50, 56 year old Eli Stutzman. We're gonna do a little different. He was found dead on January thirty first, two thousand and seven. Okay? He took his own life by slicing his wrist and bled out watching TV. That's that's the theory on what happened. Okay, he was found by a friend who was doing a little bit of a wel welfare check because they're like, I haven't heard from him. Nobody's heard from him in a couple days. He got a little worried, and so he went and checked on him. And so he's like, okay, well, he's dead. <laughs> and so this this man, he was well liked in his community of Fort Worth, Texas. Everyone said he was a very nice, kind, former Amish gay man who would sell leather goods. He we would sell like leather bible covers and like wallets and stuff like that <laughs> okay and he tells stories of his amish upbringing and how he has a son still at the commune he claims that he left the amish community because he was gay and it would be easier on his family but he can still visit them because they he would because his community believed that homosexuality was more of a mental illness instead of you know, so they, you know, they would be like, it's okay. You could come visit still at some point. You'll pray it away and come back. You know, that was his community, not saying all Amish communities are like that. That's how his was. Um, I don't know, but I mean, in a lot of Amish communities, they are very 
very old school traditional. Yeah. Obviously, we're not holding all of them under scrutiny, but at least this one, definitely. Yep. Yes. <laughs> and so, and uh, he also liked to dabble in a little bit of the crack cocaine. So <laughs> he probably liked to tell a lot of stories. And then um, his close friend, Charles Turner, wanted to, be, he was the one who found him. He wanted to bury, bury uh, Mr. Eli Stutzman with his family. So he's like, because there was no one there around, and, you, and Eli didn't have any family around. So he's like, okay, so I'll try and get, you know, maybe, because he talked about his Amish community and how he'd still go visit his son and stuff like that. Maybe they'll, they'll come and take him. Otherwise, we're going to have to give him a pauper's grave, which is basically they just bury him in an empty grave because there's no family, no one in anything. Or they just cremate the body. Yeah, something like that. So he contacts this Amish community and he's like, hey, you know, do you know Eli Stutzman? Like he claims he goes here. And they're like, oh, oh, we know him. And let me tell you, we, we don't like him. <laughs> and oh, my God, did Mr. Charles Turner find out some horrific, horrific past events about his dead friend? Shall we go into him? I, let's do it. I, I got my pizza ready. I got my ginger ale. But let's let's get morbid. All right, let's do this. So start. Let's now we started at the end. Let's go back to the beginning. Aha! I did the thing that I fucking hate, but I just wanted to do it for the story. <laughs> so the man was born in 1950 in the Amish community of Apple County, Ohio. He was considered a bit of a rebel because he liked to party and he liked to get into some petty trouble. And he was gay, <laughs> like he, he he knew that from the from a while, from the get go, like from an early age. He knew he was he was gay. I like how you hit like three check boxes of the majority of friends we hang out with. <laughs> <laughs> Likes to get a little bit of trouble. Check. Bit of an outcast. Check. Gay. Big check. Yeah, I know. It's like, it's true. I was like, you know what? <laughs> the good thing we all didn't live live in an Amish commune. So, <laughs> I know, because, like, he liked to party. I mean, he liked, he liked to drink a little bit. His petty trouble was mostly, like, thievery. So, you know, he's a little bit of a klepto. Reminds me of a couple people we know. <laughs> like, I don't appreciate that. <laughs> I was saying it to myself, too. <laughs> Look, man, there's there's a difference between stealing food and stealing electronics, okay? All I gotta say is fuck Walmart, man. They can afford it. Yeah, they, <laughs> they can afford it. And just remember, if you see somebody stealing food, no, you didn't. Yeah, no, you didn't. <laughs> so, anyways, so he was this little, he was this little, you know, Amish rebel. And so, to help his image and... <laughs> I'm sorry, man. This, this one already, like, you have so many great album and band names. That, like, Rebel. Like, like, leave the day, you know, debut item, Little Amish Rebel. <laughs> oh, my God. That'd be such a great name. And that fucking, it could only be by, like, it, either the band has to always be, like, teenagers. Like, they always have to rotate them and they dress Amish because they have to be little. No, they all have to be Amish. They all have to just come out with like Amish vests with patches sewn on that say like, you know, like no anarchy. Maybe there's like, you know, depraved and a brother and, and John a bad brains patch on there. Yeah, you know, 
These just see like it's a one big swole Amish dude pushing a barn up by himself. <laughs> like, well, we're we're gonna, we're gonna leave. We're gonna leave today. We're gonna open up this pit with our newest song. This is called Butter Won't Turn. One, two, three, four. <laughs> yeah, Butter Won't Turn. <laughs> Our, our final, and this is for our final track, is going to be called The No Fire Oven. What is it? Magic? <laughs> no, it's pure punk rock Amish. It's called <laughs> yeah. Amish Rock or Onk. Or Onk. Oh, that'd be great. Or a monk, I guess, would be a, a monk. A monk? A, a, a monk. A monk. A, a mishunk? Something like that. Pomish? Punkish? Amish. I like Ankh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what music genre are you to? I only listen to Ankh. <laughs> okay. We're done. Yeah. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> so, to uh, to try and, like, uh, help his image and everything, and, like, because, and, like, at this point in time, he was still going, you know, doing the whole, doing the whole Amish walk. Uh, he would go on to marry a local Amish gal named Ida. They would go on to have one son named Danny, and then she would be pregnant with a second child until tragedy struck. So, in 1977, their barn mysteriously caught fire. Eli would claim that the fire was started by a lightning strike, even though there was no... I don't believe there is rain. I never... Never saw in any of the articles I read about this talk about a stormy night. So just a magical lightning bolt struck the barn and that after the entire barn was engulfed in flames, his eight month pregnant wife decided to run back into the barn to save their milking equipment. And in and doing so, she would go on to have a heart attack in the middle of the fire and die. <laughs> That's his story. Okay. okay. And he's sticking his to story. it. And he's sticking to I mean, he doesn't stick to it. He comes up with a couple of different reasons why she goes back into the barn <laughs> and even how the fire started. <laughs> Did I say milking equipment? No, I meant uh, bales of hay. We, there was precious bales of hay that we, <laughs> I, or, or that no i mean she needed to go save the calf the you know the of, cow yeah, of course the not livestock, the actual duh. the livestock jeez not the milking equipment <laughs> i i sometimes make that mistake when i think milking equipment i think cows and i for, like tomato tomato you know yeah because that's what basically what they are but yeah, they're they're <laughs> yeah. so and also you know my eight month pregnant wife had to do it like i couldn't do it she she has that pregnant strength because you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. she's eight months pregnant she, everybody not, knows that yeah everybody they, knows that they're fucking strong as an ox and they could run mm -hmm. like super speed you know my back is just hurting that's why she had to do it it's not because i'm the hurting because <laughs> think about it if i went in there and i'm not because knowing that i don't have pregnancy strength if i went in there and did it what if something happened to me? Then my wife, who's pregnant, has to use her pregnancy strength not just to get the cows, also known as the milk equipment, but also save me too. And how is that fair to her? Yeah. Come on. Come on. <laughs> anyway, so anyway, so that's that's kind of his story that he's trying to stick to. The corn and so it, and it's very, very widely believed and semi accepted that the coroner and the police 
didn't really do a very good job investigating this because they did basically just take Eli's word for what happened. <laughs> like all of that. So here's more than likely why the police didn't do a very good job and the coroner weren't allowed to do a very good job. Not just because it's fucking Ohio police force, but <laughs> so many in the, while many in the community, many in the Amish community expected Eli and suspected Eli to have actually killed his wife because who wouldn't with that bullshit story? Um, right. And also the fact that he more than likely started the fire. Uh, but because the Amish are very reclusive and they have their ways, the whole, you know, <laughs> Back in, back in my day, <laughs> like, we only go by one way. No one helped the authorities. And also, like, kind of how in the Amish community are, like, they don't let outside authorities in. Like, they would refuse help as much as they can. Like to the Stays in-house. Yep, stays in-house. Like, even though there are some communities that will, like, do some, like, some with modern med- deal, even with modern medicine, like they won't even touch modern medicine unless it's like literal life or death. And even at that point, it depends on how hardcore they are. (laughs) Like it's ridiculous. So they, so they basically the coroner and the authorities were like, all right, since we're not allowed to get anything, get any evidence and we have to just take your word for it. We'll just fucking say it's heart failure. And so her death is labeled as a heart failure instead. And like, that's it because they had to take (laughs) the word of Eli (laughs) <laughs> so I also I meant to tell you Mateo at the beginning of this that mm. you're gonna hate the name Eli even more besides that fucking movie look I I, I, I take away the name from that movie I just hate the movie <laughs> I'm at that place with it at this point so uh, I, think, I think I'll be okay, okay. I think I'll be All okay right, fair enough alright cool mm-hmm. well anyways maybe I'll think of just Denzel Washington okay <laughs> Well, that's not I mean, good thing. It wasn't after this. Good thing the book isn't after this, Eli, because after her death, Eli was said to have a, had a mental breakdown. So, like, he just uh, the Amish community like couldn't like were freaking out about him because he was like he put his name out into several homosexual dating services and magazines. Oh my goodness. <laughs> So it's just like because you know grinder before grinder yeah <laughs> it's just I just the the fact that like that's that's where they think he had a mental breakdown it's like okay sure uh, anyways and so and and he did what they consider one of the most heinous acts ever he got electricity and he shaved his beard all right <laughs> I just. I mean, obviously, they think the other things are worse, especially because they all pretty much believe he killed his wife. But I just think it's funny that they're like, oh, my God, he's got off the deep end. He shaved his beard. (laughs) It's just it just makes me laugh. I I mean, I I do know that the beard in the Amish culture is an actual thing. I know. So it, it is probably just more symbolism of him cutting ties with the people that didn't really support him oh it is it 100 percent is and like i mean all of it it really is like i pretty i feel like this i feel like ever, almost everything he did was a way like he was struggling with wanting to like accepting who he was and like 
after being like raised in this community and not wanting to be in this community but being forced to act and be a way he's not supposed he doesn't want to be like caused a lot of this because like I mean, he was pretty much forced into a marriage that he didn't want because obviously he's gay. Like he he never made he was never like quiet about it. Like it was a it was a known thing, but he was forced into that. He was having affairs during his marriage because, and like he never wanted kids, but he was forced to have kids. Like, yeah, it, like it was just a lot. It, like. I feel like he just, like, he snapped a long time ago, <laughs> but, like, it just got worse. Anyways, so I got, uh, but yeah, I got to move on. Um, you know, so he did, he shaved his beard, he got electricity, um, he started a little, he was, like, openly, more, a little bit more openly being out and about about his homosexuality and stuff like that, especially after his wife died. Um, but he was still, but he still had his son, uh, Danny. And so after a while, he just, after several years, after, uh, the wife's death, uh, him and Eli and his son moved to Austin, Texas in 1982. And so, cause Eli just wanted to be done with the, like with his Amish community, his Amish past. He just went like, he should, like I said, and like you said, you know, the whole shaving of the beard is more than likely a symbolism of him wanting to get out of there. And he did. So he finally left. And so his life was pretty quiet at this time. He got a roommate, uh, him and his son, uh, moved in with a man named Glenn Pritchett. And so, uh, Glenn Pritchett was also, uh, a known gay man in the community, uh, in, uh, around. Um, and he also worked for Eli. Uh, I can't remember that. I didn't see, I didn't see what he was doing out there. I couldn't find what he was doing, but I just read that Glenn worked for him also. And on May 12th, 1985, the body of Glenn Pritchett was found in a ditch. And after a small investigation, like just, they were like, hey, Eli got a call from the cops going, do you know who Glenn was? And he's like, yeah, he was my roommate. Like, oh, he's found dead. And Eli was like, oh, okay. I'm like, yeah. Do you know anything? And he's like, I don't know. I'm like, all right, well, we're going to look into this. So they didn't make it a full, uh, an actual investigation yet. Even though, and so Eli, literally after being told that, he's just like, all right, son. We're going to Wyoming. <laughs> and, and so since they couldn't start a proper investigation, like they couldn't stop Eli. And so he just fucking legged it like immediately and moved to Wyoming with his son. And so at this point in time, he dropped his son off. He dropped off his son, Danny, with some f close friends. And he claims, and at this point, the murder investigation is getting a little hot. And he was like, okay, I'm going to go clear my name with this. And, like, I need you to watch my son. At this point, Eli disappears for six months. Okay? And he comes back mid-December to get his son. And he's like, all right, all good. We're great. We're going to go back to Ohio. We're going to spend Christmas with the fam. We're gonna, I'm going to get back into the Amish community. Like, I think that might be good for us. Like, he's like, it, it's going to be awesome. Don't worry. Like, it's going to be great. But when Eli arrives back in the Amish community, Danny is nowhere to be found. And Eli would go on to tell the community, he goes, well, Danny wanted to stay behind in Wyoming. Like, he wanted to go, he wanted to ski for the winter. And that, yeah, like, that's, that's all. You know, he just, he stayed back. He didn't want to come see you people. He, he was having fun. 
And they're like, okay. And then in a year, and then a year later, in 1986, in 1986, sorry, I feel like I said 96, <laughs> but 1986, Eli wrote a letter to the com community because he left after Christmas. He went back to he went back home. Uh, he let, wrote them a letter saying that Danny actually passed away in a car accident that year. And so, you know, sad, sad times for Eli. And then 1987, Eli's world would just come fucking crashing down all around him because of a little-known magazine called Reader's Digest. <laughs> the Reader's Digest, how, how to be... I don't even have a good title for it. Reader's Digest, how to be a prominent little Amish rebel in current <laughs> modern society, I guess. Like, you know, and five tips to, to update the aesthetic of your home while staying Amish. <laughs> yeah, like... Like, when I read that, like, Reader's Digest is the reason for his entire downfall, I'm just like, what are you... What? Reader's Digest? So, okay... Cause I always, like I said, I always like just what you said. I thought Reader's Digest was more about like homely goods, and you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Apparently not. No, apparently they they <laughs> they like to do cold cases, because they did a cold case titled "Little Boy Blue." So this is an actual semi. This is a fairly well known case. Like, it's a semi-known case for, like, hardcore true crime enthusiasts. There are two cases of Little Boy Blue. I am not talking about uh, the, the, uh, the fucking sports player. <laughs> the football player. This is the other Little Boy Blue. So, in 1987, the magazine pe published a story about a very, very sad cold case called Little Boy Blue. And it start and so the story goes on. Are this not the story? The case. Sorry. So how the case is on December twenty because this actually happened. This was real. <laughs> on December twenty fourth, nineteen eighty five, the body of a dead nine year old wearing blue PJs, hence little boy blue, was found in a ditch in Chester, Nebraska. He was discovered by a trucker who prompt who promptly called the authorities. While they couldn't find a cause of death, the authorities believed they had a homicide on their hands because of the unnatural events of where the body was. The fact that it was a nine-year-old in the mid in the ditch in the middle of nowhere, I would assume that it was a homicide, <laughs> like too. So, they couldn't identify the child, and he was given the nickname Little Boy Blue. For two years, the case went cold until Reader Digest's little story. Or did or covered the case. Again, Reader's Digest, who fucking knew. <laughs> Obviously a lot of people who read Reader Digest were like, I fucking knew. Like, Jesus. <laughs> Get with it. God, just because you're Amish doesn't mean you have an excuse. Actually, funny enough, the Amish community are allowed to read Reader's Digest. <laughs> because it's digestible. I guess because once the once the readers digest published the case a woman from Eli's Amish community saw the article called the authorities and claimed that the boy looked just like her nephew or relative I think it was her nephew but her relative that disappeared 2 years prior the one that Eli said 
was staying in Wyoming going skiing and then a year later said died in a car accident. She's like, that looks familiar. And then they got a second phone call that came from the woman who claimed from a woman who claimed that she knows who that child is because she <laughs> not only said she believes who he is she's like that's Danny Stutzman I watched that little boy for six months before he died and I know his father <laughs> and so the police were like really and yep, so I'm based no cap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so from these two phone calls and the also oh, not only did they these did they get these two phone calls the the woman who said she watched him and name dropped him and name dropped Eli sent them a photo of the last day that she saw him of which was Eli picking him up for Christmas. So like she sent a photo of the lat the very last photo of Mr of little poor little Danny alive with his dad and the police also got a copy of a report card that had a palm print on it and it proved that little boy blue was in fact Danny Stutzman. So they got it, right? They got yeah. the stuff. Okay. Right. So they they're like cool. We got it. We we have something. So they go and they eat. They they uh, arrest Eli. And in December of nineteen eighty, so in December of nineteen eighty seven, Eli was arrested, but he never confesses to harming Danny. So he would go on to claim. He goes, oh yeah, no, he died, and yeah, I put his body there. They're like. So what'd you do to him? Did you strangle him? Like, cause the autopsy report couldn't couldn't figure out a cause of death. Like they couldn't. After the body was out of the two decomposed or something by the time they got it. So Eli would claim that on the drive from Wyoming to Ohio, Danny passed away from a very rare disease. He had some kind of like throat sickness disease, and I guess he suffocated in the back seat. And so when Eli realized his son was dead. He panicked. He was like, oh, my God, people are going to think I killed my son. I can't take him to the Amish community. Like, they believe, they already believe I killed my ex-wife <laughs> that, uh, and that I, and our unborn baby. I can't bring a dead son in the back of my car. They'll think I killed him, too. So God will take care of him. I pray for several hours, and he just plopped him in the ditch. That's a story. <laughs> He died from disease. I'm gonna put him in a ditch, and God will take care of it. <laughs> Just Jesus, take the shovel. In this case, I guess. <laughs> I, I, oh my I don't know how you, what you would lead with that one. Jesus, I know. Jesus, take the excavator. Yes, excavator. And so. <laughs> oh my god that's funny anyway so um Eli, so since he wouldn't confess to harming the child and there wasn't enough evidence to prove that he actually murdered his son eli would act would go on to be found guilty for uh, uh for child neglect and disposing an improper disposal of a dead body so he was only sentenced to 18 months in prison 
And so once he served a year of this 18 months, so it's 12 months out of the 18, he was immediately charged and tried and found guilty for the murder of his ex-roommate, Glenn Pritchett. <laughs> you know, that dead guy that they called about and he was like, oh yeah, peace. <laughs> it's like, good, good. You, you know, some justice, but I because there wasn't enough, like, there wasn't enough hard evidence. Everything in the case was circumstantial. He would be sentenced to 40 years with the chance of parole, but he would only serve 13 of the 13 of these 40 years. And so he would be released in March of 2002. And for the next five years, Eli would would go on to live and lead a very toned down and secret life in Fort Worth, Texas. So he would tell stories and basically lie to everyone around him just so he could like live his last five years as like the nice ex-Amish gay man that he always wanted to be. That, that definitely never killed anyone. Nope, nope. He's like, I never killed anybody. Oh, and by the way, I fucking love cocaine. Like he he was he loved his crack cocaine. <laughs> the only thing I'm killing is these lines. <laughs> yeah, he's like, give me that rock, fucking. <laughs> like, now let me tell kill you. lines all night. <laughs> now, it was good with Denny's and cause a disturbance. <laughs> he's like, let me snort a line off that dick. <laughs> Which you know what? He wants to go to her local gas station to just stare at people. <laughs> probably fucking did <laughs> like and so like he wasn't secretive about his love of crack cocaine as i said in the beginning um and so here's like the stories that he would tell to make himself be a very nice old man he'd tell everybody that he actually left his son at the amish commune so no nobody knows that he that about his dead son in this community nobody knows he's the father of little boy blue like nobody knows this at this point in time and so he would just tell everyone that he left the amish community behind and he left his son there because he was gay he's like you know I, I wanted to live this lifestyle and he wanted to live that lifestyle so we just parted ways and he goes i would but he claims every holiday you know around the holiday season he'd leave and he'd be like yeah i'm gonna go visit the community and go visit my son <laughs> Because Charles Turner, the person from the beginning, is the one that became really good friends with Eli. And so Eli would be telling Charles Turner, hey, I'm going to go see my son. <laughs> Very well knowing he's not going to go see his son. And so... Once, uh -huh, uh -huh. Okay, pal. Yep. <laughs> and so his last few months of life just turned into a complete downward spiral. Like, he just <laughs> fucking went... He went through it. His drug abuse worsened, obviously. If you're, like, flaunting that you'd smoke crack cocaine, I don't think it's going to get better. Um, his finances were disappearing. He be slowly became more reclusive outside of a constant. And I mean, like, his landlord was getting pissed. Constant flow of dealers and prostitutes just going through his, his house or his apartment. <laughs> like he's like partying like such a hardcore rock star right now he is as he's fucking going out in style man because on, in January his rent check would bounce 
and he was told that he needed to vacate by the end of the month. And so on the very last day, January 31st, he was found dead by suicide. And as I said in the beginning, it was believed that he cut his wrist and just sat and watched TV till he bled out. <laughs> and so, this isn't the end of his story, though. Why is he a serial killer? He, wa he wasn't actually found guilty of the first one. He was only found guilty of one. Well, after he died, the police from Denver Co or Durango, Colorado, hit, uh, like, called up like the uh fort worth texas uh fort worth texas police uh police office and everything like you know whatever and they're like we need to get his dna and fingerprints because he is a main our main suspect of two cold case murders that happened in 1985. so why is he what happened then? So in 1985, this was during the six months that Eli dropped Danny off in Wyoming. So this is before he killed his son. He didn't. He did not, in fact, try to clear his name. Obviously, he ended up going, getting arrested after the death of his son for it. He, in fact, moved to Durango, Colorado, and did some partying. And so during that time, he was seen with victims David Tyler and Dennis Sleater. Both men were known users. I mean, it's the fucking 80s in Colorado, too. <laughs> like, obviously. <laughs> Sorry, but like, it's the fucking 80s in a small the mountain. The Coke Trail leads back. I know, like, it's a small mountain town in, in the fucking 80s. I'm pretty certain everyone was a little on something. And they were also... With, with, sorry. with Alfred Packard in mind, trust me, we know we're crazy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was such a fun story. Um, unlike this story, no one ate anybody, so... <laughs> like, at least we don't have to worry about cannibalism. Um... Yeah, um, and another thing about them is that they were both known gay men. They were in the gay community. Um, and another fun fact about these two these two men is that they both knew and partied with Stutzman. So, like, they both partied with Eli. They knew who he was. Um, and so that didn't look very good for Eli because Tyler was found dead in the back of his truck. A few nights after reporting, he received homophobic death threats over the phone to the point where he started carrying a piece himself. Sadly, it didn't work out for him. And then there wasn't enough, but there wasn't enough evidence to further investigate. Like, he was just found shot dead. And then Sleater was found dead in the basement of, his liquor, of the liquor store he worked at two days after being seen with Stutzman and also... Eli Stutzman was possibly it was I like someone was like yeah I saw him there the night that uh, Sleater died but eyewitness testimony it goes so far in the dark you know so he's a suspect in these murders he fits the bill he was there he was there in the time and they don't like and so 
they kind of made these off as like cold cases for Tyler was because there wasn't enough evidence and for Sleater is because it looked like it could have just been uh, some drifter that what that like just shot him and tried to rob the liquor store you know like that's what it could have looked like um because there's that's all that's all they had and so the reason why they asked for the fingerprints and the dna is because they also found a bloody palm print at uh found at tyler's death sadly the fucking the they didn't match stutzman so the palm prints didn't match the bloody palm print didn't match the dna that they got from Stutzman. Um, but they kind of believe because of the time, like just with the time difference and also just like the, just the, like, I, I, I can't kind of remember what, what I read. I should have wrote it down. Just like the difference of times with how police, like, you know, police stuff goes. Um, technology, like the technology of the time and stuff like that. God, I could not think of the fucking word. <laughs> Um, sorry. So because of the technology of the time and also just like we didn't make strides in DNA analysis and stuff like that, like 2000, in the early 2000s, it was still pretty new and stuff like that. So like they're like, we still feel like Stutzman is a favorite in this case, but the case is going to remain open to this day because obviously Eli's dead, so they can never get a testimony from him. And so... While he's still a favorite in this case, and he's also believed to have murdered his wife and son since he committed suicide and he didn't leave a note, that's, you know, we're all going to know of these, of, of these cases. So that's Eli Stutzman, who is possibly one of the first Amish serial killers. Yeah, <laughs> I just I thought it. I just kind of wanted to do a little bit of a cold, crazy cold case. I mean, I didn't want to do a cold case because, like, I don't think like I don't think technically it's a cold case. Like, everyone's pretty goddamn certain he did it all. Like, there's enough evidence, kind of, but like I don't know. I feel like it's all too coinky dink. I mean, still though, like, what a what a wild story. You could have just uh, made this up and not tell me it was real, and I would have just believed like you made it up. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> like, I was He's like, like seriously, look, look you can Google Eli Stutzman, little boy blue, and you that proves I didn't make it up. But yeah, that was just a crazy Amish story. Like I just I kind of wanted to just see if there was an Amish serial killer, and he came up, and I thought that was a fucking insane story. Same case, not story. I should stop saying story. These are real. It happened. It was. It was. It was definitely a hit, not a mish. <laughs> so. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ghouls, gals, creeps, freaks, mutants alike. We are at the end of another. Tilly, I'm already fucking up my words. We're at the end of another episode. You know how this goes at this point. So, if you want to support the show. Please continue to do that over on our Twitter at OfficialPRHP, on our Facebook by the same name as well. Um, you can also support us on Instagram at Punk Rock Horror Podcast, hashtag PRHP Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at The Undead Matt, including our editor Leo and our YouTube guide, Zach the Beastman himself, over on Instagram and on Twitter at Zach Eastman as well. Real Nerd Zach over there. Uh, you can also follow Cody on Twitter at, at Krampus Cody. 
If you want to support the show, please do that by either purchasing merch from us from our merch store. And uh, if you have any issues receiving your merch, again, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram or send us an email at punkrockcorepodcast at gmail.com. So that way we can make sure your order gets to you. But if you also want to support us in any other way, please share the episode, comment on our posts, interact with us. Let us know what you're liking about uh, the episodes. Do you have a favorite? Is there a topic you want us to return to? Let us know, and maybe we'll put it in our agenda of things to do while we're down here in the dungeon collecting our souls. With that in mind, ghouls, gals, creeps, freaks, mutants alike. I'm not sure if we're ending on a song. If so, please enjoy, and thank you again for tuning in to another episode, and we will talk about horror with you next time. Bye. Bye. You don't know there's going to be music. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> skanky skank by mad cow disease enjoy last song last song. i'm not gonna do a double Yeah!